0: Hi and welcome to the Coaching Academic Podcast. I'm joined again this week by Dr Holly Andrews. Hi Holly. Hi Rebecca. Hi and today we're talking about a really fascinating topic which relates really closely to Holly's area of interest and it's all about coaching dark triad clients. So uh, we're going to talk about a paper by Sandra Diller, Dieter Frey and Eva Jonas, and it's called Coach Me If You Can, Dark Triad Clients, Their Effect on Coaches and How Coaches Deal With Them. And we'll talk uh, a little bit about this paper, but also more generally about this issue of uh, coaching dark triad clients, because I know Holly's Uh, done some uh, research on dark triad traits generally and and is interested in this area of working with clients that uh, kind of fall into this category, aren't
1: you, Holly? I'm very excited to talk about this paper today. So you're going to have to try and shut me up, Rebecca, because I think it's it's a really great move into looking at the dark side, uh, potentially, of coaching. Um, In most HR, and organizational behavior topics. Um, historically, there's a tendency to focus on the bright side, the positive things, you know, what things predict positive outcomes, what do we want more of, how do we promote success in people, and much less attention is paid to the factors that actually influence when things go wrong, which is strange because we know from literature that actually most failure, certainly in leadership, Results from having some kind of negative quality, not from not having enough of the good stuff. So it's great to see this kind of move into looking at the dark side in coaching mm. um, now, as, as we've seen happen in leadership over the, the past sort of 30 years, maybe early 1990s, I think is when Babiak and Hare really started to sort of put psychopathy in the workplace out into the public mm. uh, domain and started publishing on it. So, coaching is a little bit behind.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and so the authors set out an aim at the beginning of their paper, and they highlight the fact that difficulties in coaching haven't been well researched so far. And, and I would completely agree with this. There isn't much uh, that has been written exploring, you know, when is coaching particularly difficult And equally, they they say that they want to focus on the effect on the coach and therefore the coaching of working with these particularly, this particular group of clients or coaches. And just echoing your points there, I think we've got this assumption in coaching that the coach is this kind of wonder woman or superman type person that can deal with anything you know as long as they've got the right tools and techniques and approaches they can deal with any type of client any type of situation Uh, whatever's thrown at them they can deal with it and and you know coaches are humans too and uh, sometimes with all the will in the world and all the experience and the best training and, uh, you know, putting everything into it, there may potentially be some situations that might be very difficult or potentially have a negative impact on them. And so I think this paper's kind of shining a light on an interesting area that is worthy of, of some extra research, really. And, and so should we, uh, Holly, do you want to kind of talk us through what the dark triad is then for those people who haven't perhaps heard this term before?
1: Yeah, so the dark triad um, is subclinical psychopathy, narcissism, and Machiavellianism. Um, So in the psychology literature, these are three distinct constructs, um, but they do overlap to a certain extent. So people who possess kind of subclinical narcissistic tendencies, people who are very grandiose, they've got a very high opinion of themselves um they have got a need for admiration other people need to see them really positively as well find sense of entitlement you know they expect to you know have a good job get a good salary have the best car whatever it might be um quite high need for for power um they could be quite uh prone to boredness they get bored easily um and they can be quite callous because they're quite self-centered people um machiavellian people this is not a clinical construct uh, Machiavellianism but it is used a lot in the in the psychology literature it comes from actually the work of Machiavelli his book The Prince and this centers around a, a very cynical um, outlook uh, where basically people are there to be used uh, for your own personal gain um, so it's quite an amoral uh, kind of position if you're quite Machiavellian. You don't tend to be particularly interested in the impact that your actions might have on other people. Um, and you're willing to be quite manipulative and deceitful um, and say lacking in affect. There's not really much emotion going on here. It's kind of all about the bottom line. I think the darkest of the dark triad um, we're, we're looking at is psychopathy. So psychopathy shares quite a a lot of um, overlap with both narcissism and Machiavellianism. Um, So we've got the grandiosity, the proneness to boredom, the callousness, the manipulativeness, deceitfulness, the lacking of affect that we've got in the other two. Um, But we've now got this kind of extra layer of things um, over the top. So psychopaths are particularly known for complete lack of remorse and lack of empathy uh, for other people, they're also really quite impulsive and irresponsible, prone to antisocial behaviour, uh, but they can also be quite superficially charming. With all of this, so that combination, I think, is actually quite dangerous. Because if you think about kind of narcissisms, if you if you you know think you're great, but actually you're not particularly you know nasty towards other people necessarily unless they you know threaten your self-image or if you're Machiavellian is you're kind of willing to manipulate people but it's generally around kind of power and work context or a psychopathy you know you think you're great you think you're entitled to to everything you're thoroughly really prepared to manipulate people you do so on impulse with no emotion no empathy and you're quite willing to commit antisocial acts in order to achieve your goals I think that's sort of what makes it a little bit darker um out of the three but at the heart of all of them is a willingness to be exploitative of other people for for personal gain um that's what kind of unites the three Mm.
0: yeah so pretty dark by the science of it isn't it uh someone with those characteristics I think So I'm guessing some listeners might be thinking, well, that all sounds pretty extreme. You know, how likely is it that I'm going to work with someone like that? Surely there's not many psychopaths running around, uh, coming into our coaching rooms, but that's not necessarily the case, is it?
1: No, And this is uh, one of the things that um, the authors of this paper set out to look at. So we know, looking at the kind of strong construct separately that we reckon about one percent of the general population would meet the criteria to be clinically diagnosed as a, a psychopath and we know from research looking in organizations that that percentage rises as we start to look at people who hold uh, positions of power and leadership so estimates go up to five percent Um, In some recent, there was a study in Australia a couple of years ago, 5% of leaders um, have psychopathic traits. And the authors in this study found that actually that the higher the level of leadership a coaching client had, um, that was related to the level of dark traits. I mean, we'll talk about their methodology in a minute, but, you know, they found the same things that previous literature has found. Um, And looking at narcissistic traits... um, out of a, a sample of managers in a professional development uh, assessment centre, um, the percentage of pe- people who were one standard deviation above the mean on narcissistic traits, so holding relatively high levels of this, uh, was 10.3%. Um, and this was back in 2013, uh, so quite a while ago. And we know from comparing data on studies of narcissism um, that have happened you know, historically that levels of narcissism in the general population are rising generally anyway. Um, so we might expect this figure to be even higher now than it, it, it was in 2013. So we're not talking about insignificant numbers of people. And in coaching in particular, you might find that actually these kind of people might be the kind that are referred to, uh, referred to coaching. If we look at some of the case studies uh, particularly if you look at the work of Paul Babiak uh, who's an industrial organizational psychologist in the states Um, a lot of his interest in this area started um, when he was called in um, as a, a consultant to deal with teams that were having difficulties and he kept finding repeatedly that there were these people uh, in these teams, who were identified as high potential, they'd got leadership qualities. It t- typically, tended to be that senior managers thought that they were great, um, but they had very difficult working relationships with their colleagues and their subordinates. Um, and this tended to be where Paul Babiak was called in to try and sort of help develop this person. I mean, So this sounds quite similar to the kind of coaching situations that lots of executive coaches would find themselves in. We've got somebody with high potential here, um, but, you know, they need the edges smoothing off. They're a a rough diamond, need to improve their relationship building skills or, you know, communication style. So, yes, I think it's, you know, likely... That, you know we will find at least some clients with high dark uh, dark side traits engaging. yeah
0: and and so you've you've mentioned already that psychopaths for example tend to be in uh, we tend to find a higher p- proportion of psychopaths in leadership roles than say in other job roles and obviously we know that coaching tends to be positioned as a development tool for people in leadership roles but why is it that psychopaths and and maybe some of the other dark triad characteristics people tend to be able to progress because it you know it sounds like someone with those kind of characteristics there's no way they would you want to put them in a position of power but but why is that that they seem to be able
1: to progress to these senior roles do you think well there's actually quite a lot of overlap between dark traits and what we think of as being desirable in leadership. So, if you think, for example, dark traits, superficial charm, well, quite often we're looking for leaders who are charismatic, aren't we? We've got grandiosity that links together our narcissism and psychopathy. We want people with self confidence. So we're not looking for leaders who are shy. Manipulation, well, How many times do we see ability to influence as a positive leadership um, kind of characteristic? You know, you've got impulsive ability to take risks, action-oriented. Something we quite often see as leaders want doing people. Well, yeah, we've got you know people here who get bored easily. They're thrill-seeking. You know, ability to make hard decisions. Well, you know, we've got our our Machiavellians, our narcissists, and to an extent our And our psychopaths, who have all got some degree of callousness and emotional poverty. So, yeah, if they've got to make redundancies or, you know, cut people's wages, that's not really as much of a concern for them. They're able to make those hard decisions. So I think there's a degree of overlap. You know, it's almost it's are we actually getting too much of a good thing in the dark traits? Because you wouldn't want really low levels of these traits either. That wouldn't be effective for leadership. But actually, then it becomes really difficult to tell, you know, at which point does this tip past uh, being a positive characteristic and go into being kind of an overplayed strength, if you will. And there's also tends to be kind of short term uh, positive characteristics mm. um, associated with these. So, like you say, you're, if you're narcissistic, for example, you're very confident, you know, you, you want to get involved in things. In the short term, that is seen as really positive, that actually helps people to see you as a leader to feel confident in you. We know from leaderless group exercises that people with high levels of narcissistic traits, um, usually emerge as leaders in those leaderless groups, um, experiments. Mm -hmm. Um, But over time, those traits then come to actually confer a disadvantage so when they can't take the feedback from people or you know they find it difficult to integrate other people's views or manage people's emotions then they tend to find those kind of leadership positions hard to maintain.
0: Mm. Okay so we can see then that this is potentially something that most coaches if they're coaching for significant proportion of their career, they're pretty likely to come across some of these uh, dark triad personality traits in clients at some point in their their career history. So in terms of this study then, they they wanted to investigate this uh, specifically and they uh, saw their participant groups were coaches and they had 64 coaches and they were asked to describe one specific dark triad client case. And the uh, they were also asked to complete a series of different questionnaires that identified things like how did they, uh, the level of distress they felt when working with that client, their level of behavioural. Activation, so whether they were inhibited or activated towards different behaviors, um, which links to whether they feel kind of anxious or energetic. Um, They also had to rate the client's dark triad traits. And then they also gave some data reporting on the strategies that they used to deal with those clients and their perceived coaching success. So, how successful did they think that the coaching was? With those dark triad individuals, and they had some quite interesting findings, didn't they? They um, so uh, they also had to rate the clients' leader or report the clients' leadership level. So first of all, they were they were, you know, we were looking to see were the clients with these dark triads did they tend to be in higher leadership positions, which is what we uh, the literature already indicates. And they did, they did find that that was significant. So um, the higher the level of leadership, the higher level of dark triad score, obviously, this is the coach's rating of the client's personality. So there are some limitations in that. But yeah, they they, there was a significant relationship between those two uh, measures.
1: Yeah, I mean, this, this is a good this is a fantastic start uh, this paper but as you say there are difficulties with assessing assessing these dark traits in other people they are research shows us that they're much more difficult to accurately identify than some other mental health conditions so for example depression is much much easier for a lay person to identify than narcissism psychopathy type traits and it may also be that if you can actually identify these traits in a client, that may they may those clients who these traits are identifiable in may be a different subset of dark dark clients. So maybe some who are very very good at manipulation who you never actually really even notice it. So whilst there are, there are some issues. Um, with rating in others it, it's a good start mm. and I think we'll talk we'll talk a little bit later about how if you are you know implications for practice if you are coaching how mm. how you could try and pick up on these traits but it, it yeah it yeah. is worth mentioning that it, it is hard it to assess in other people
0: yeah and then and then what they also found was that there was this indirect relationship between the perceived So the perceived client's dark triad score and the the level of anxiety that the coach experienced in coaching that client and following on from that, their level of distress. So basically what they found was that... While there was no direct relationship between the client's leadership, the level of leadership that they hold and the level of distress that the coach experienced coaching them, there was a, a mediated relationship that was explained by their, the dark triad score and the level of anxiety. So basically, you've got a senior client who scores highly on their dark triad that then indicates that the coach is likely to experience higher levels of anxiety when they're coaching them. And that leads to a higher level of distress that the coach experiences after coaching that client. And I think with a lot of research that starts to do kind of quantitative research into the these types of topics what I always find interesting is is how complex these relationships are you know it's not as simple to say as coaching someone with a dark triad score will directly lead to coaches distress and that's one of the things that they did test here it's actually the anxiety that's experienced from following that that then indicates a higher level of distress and it just goes to show that these these types of research areas are really complex and and we've got a lot of work still to do but you know it's this is starting to highlight some interesting areas that we might want to explore further.
1: Yeah I think it makes total sense that coaches trying to coach dark clients uh, would experience anxiety because These people are really, I I think, could be really, really difficult to coach. And generally, there is, you know, there's an argument that in advanced coaching, that, you know, we're we're relieved from any pressure to perform as a coach. But I think if you're engaged in a paid coaching contract, you know, there's still a, a pressure to achieve outcomes, isn't there? And, you know, think about the aims of coaching, providing space for reflection, raising insight and awareness, setting and achieving goals, getting personal development and team and organizational development. In dark clients, we've got people who don't see a need for to change. You know, they're actually perfectly happy with who they are. Uh, a lot of the time it's other people that they cause the problems for. We've got limited capacity for reflection. A lot of time they you know got a lot of barriers up to reflection. Uh, very sensitive to criticism and feedback, particularly on the narcissistic side. Um Feedback, criticism, not good uh, for narcissists. Failure to accept responsibility. You know, they're not particularly on the psychopathic side. This is one of the hallmarks. Other people are always to blame uh, for anything that goes wrong, which then is very difficult as a coach. Um, If you're trying to get someone to take responsibility uh, for their own actions, if you've got someone who just wants to blame everybody else, you've got a real, real problem there. And you've got a, a, an issue even with some of the basics of coaching, like goal setting, because you've got people who've got lack of long term goals, frequent changes of goals. If they've got psychopathic traits, uh, our Machiavellians and our narcissists might be excessively ambitious. You know, it's, I think it's just really difficult then as a coach to kind of see how you can make a positive impact
0: Yeah, yeah. And and this the authors picked up on this, didn't they? Because they also asked the coaches to name successful and unsuccessful strategies that they used in working with these clients. And then the authors kind of did a tally to see if there was any themes that came out of that. You know, is there one... A strategy that seems to be particularly successful or, or one strategy that seems to be particularly unsuccessful. And I think, you know, my takeaway from this part of the paper was that there are no clear strategies. <laughs> so there was lots of overlap between successful and unsuccessful. So some coaches said that this worked for them, but exactly the same strategy was labeled as being unsuccessful by other, um, other coaches. The exception of this was mindfulness practice, which was named as one of the main strategies that came out as being helpful, although the number of coaches who named that was still quite low. But we did wonder, I think, this this idea of practicing mindfulness from a coach's perspective, if you were working with a dark triad client, might be particularly helpful because A, it might help you cope in terms of the anxiety and distress that you might be feeling. But B, it might also help you to be a bit more self-aware and be present in that coaching engagement, which is always important, but potentially even more important with a dark triad client, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think from the research that I do around psychopathy in the workplace and obviously looking at the dark triad more widely, being aware of what's actually going on, uh, being aware of yourself, your own tendencies, your own uh, foibles, what are your hotspots? Because these, are pe- say you're looking at people who are really manipulative and if they can manipulate you um, and if there's a, a reason for them for to manipulate you, um, they may well do that. So you need to be very aware of your own issues and you need to be very aware of what's going on with the client. In the space of coaching, because um, there might be some telltale signs um, that you can pick up on. So pathological lying tends to be something that's associated certainly with psychopathy. So being you know very actually aware of what your client is saying, does it tally up with what they've said in previous sessions or even within the same session? Does it tally up with what you've got um, in terms of feedback? Um, so if you're using something like 360 degree feedback as a part of coaching does what the client is saying echo actually what's in that feedback looking at emotion as well we know emotion is quite a common thing that coaches have to kind of circumnavigate as part of the coaching relationship so you might find with these people you're either looking at a real lack of emotion which is interesting to pick up on or completely over dramatized overacted emotion so actually being really aware of that um, Mm. I think could be really important
0: so are there any other practical implications then or recommendations if you're a coach and you think your your client might be in this dark triad what 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 should they do about it do you think
1: Well, first, I think you've got to be protecting yourself um, as a coach. So being aware of what your position is and how at risk you are of being manipulated, I think, is really important. So Babiak and Hare in their book, Snakes in Suits, which I thoroughly recommend, it's a good read, put forward this um, process model of how psychopaths act in the workplace, and it's got some transferability to the dark triad. and it depends on if you are supportive of, of the person with the dark traits or not, and have you got any power in the organisation or not. So as a coach, it may be that part of your contract, if it's with the organisation, means that you're actually feeding back to the organisation. So, it, you know, typically, for example, it might be that your coaching is part of a, a leadership development programme, for example. So you've got a feedback on the coachy, now that means that they they've got a a reason to try and manipulate you to try and imp- you know use impression management techniques to work on you so if they think that you're likely to be supportive um you fall into the the camp of patron um in babiak's process put babiak and hair's process model uh, and patrons are people who you know can support can the the coachee, the dark person can help them to achieve their goals. So you're likely to get manipulated to the extent that you're only going to see the positive side of that person. They're going to try and give you all their best bits and edit out anything else. They're not going to be authentic with you in any way, shape or form, Uh, but not likely to be particularly damaging to you um, on an individual level. It might It might be that, you know, your credibility is somewhat reduced if you recommend someone and further down the line, it turns out that they're not great, but less of an immediate threat. If, however, you know, they perceive that they're not being able to manipulate you and chances are that you are not going to support them, you fall into the organisational police camp and organisational police have to be dealt with. Um, So you might find that a person with dark traits tries to actually undermine you. Uh, and your credibility um babby i can hear talk about kind of spreading rumors for example so that as and when you report back on the coaching contract you've had with this person your recommendations may not be taken seriously and that may be a kind of more immediate threat um, to you as a coach and your contract with that organization and your reputation as a coach so firstly i think it's really important to be aware of how you know how much risk you might be at and secondly then to just kind of think about ways to, to manage that client so you know we talked about mindfulness and being aware there are some other um, suggested approaches in the literature so kets de and rook uh, i've got a paper it's 2018 paper and they talk about perhaps using psychodynamic perspectives and Group coaching and use of 360 degree feedback. So where people kind of can't, it's much more difficult to manipulate a group of people than it is to just manipulate one on one. So trying to mitigate against that. And and other authors like Manzi have recommended person centred counselling skills. And and Borian Eckstein went with integrity based leadership coaching. Um, But for me, I, I think the main thing is actually kind of being aware of what it is that you're dealing with. Um, I said it's very difficult to assess these traits in other people, but actually, there are some psychometrics out there that could help you. Um, and they can be useful anyway, psychometrics as part of a, a coaching experience. But you've got the Hogan Development Survey that has 11 scales that correspond to the DSM personality disorders. So you could look at things like the mischievous scale that overlaps with psychopathy. You've got the bold scale that overlaps with narcissistic personality disorder. Um, So you can actually get an idea of how high your coaches are on these scales. If you think the Hogan Development Survey might not be palatable, then there are ways of taking kind of the normal five factor model of personality, um, and generating what are called aberrant personality compounds. So you can generate scores um, of aberrant personality from the five-factor model. Um, and defruct uh, Vili and i have got a paper on this from 2013 that would be useful to anyone who's interested in this.
0: Right. So it's great. Lots of different things to, to maybe think about. Um, I think uh, just kind of drawing our discussion to a close, I think it's important that we return to the point that we made earlier that, you know, it isn't easy for someone to diagnose someone else in the dark triad. So we're not suggesting that coaches should be kind of going ahead and, and making those diagnoses on in their own practice. But what we do think it's important to just be aware of, if if, if as a coach, you're working with a client, and you are experiencing unusually high levels of anxiety or distress after the sessions with that client, and you're finding them particularly difficult to work with, I hope that this paper and our discussion might just highlight that, you know, perhaps there is something within that client that that is, that is causing that rather than potentially being just about you as a coach not being effective or not doing your, your kind of job properly if you like and I think that is something that isn't talked about in the coaching profession or the coaching literature and that was something we wanted to highlight wasn't it that that this could happen it doesn't necessarily mean it's a problem with your coaching it could actually be highlighting that there's something else going on there and then obviously as a coach it's your decision whether you want to continue working with that client or perhaps recommend some other type of support for that individual.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's come through, is and it, was recommending therapy if actually you get to the point where you think coaching is no longer an appropriate intervention um, with clients on, on the DART triad. And of
0: course, for coaches, you know, this is the, exactly the type of thing to bring to your coaching supervision, talk through with your so- supervisor, reflect on with them and, and seek their support as well. But hopefully this might stimulate some further interest in this area. It's really fascinating. I think, as you said, Holly, at the beginning, these traits do seem to be on the rise. So this could well become more and more of an issue for for coaches coming across people with these types of traits. So the more we can learn about how to support and develop these people, then uh, and to protect ourselves as coaches, I think that's going to be beneficial. Absolutely. Great. Well, thanks for joining me. It's been a
1: pleasure as always. Thank you for having me and letting me uh, wax lyrical about the dark, dark traits, my favourite topic.
0: (laughs) No, I love it. We definitely need to do a research project on this one day, I think.
1: (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Great. See you soon. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks for listening to the Coaching Academic Podcast. If you're interested in reading my research, sponsoring the show, or in hiring me as a researcher, coach, or speaker, check out my website www.rebeccajjones.co.uk. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review in iTunes and subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a question you'd like me to answer in a future show, then please get in touch via my website finally you can connect with me on twitter at coach underscore research thanks for listening